right, good morning. It's uh, really lovely to be able to uh, share with you for a few minutes this morning. And uh, am I particularly echoey? That's just a voice of authority, I suppose. (laughs) Don't say what's not on your notes, it's a good start. We are going to be looking into Luke's Gospel. We're in Luke chapter 9. And we're going to be looking at verse uh, 10 to verse 17 for a few moments, and where Jesus feeds the 5,000. I wonder if, uh, if there are uh, relationships uh, perhaps that you're a part of, maybe friendships or, or family relationships, where um, there is, um, you know people so well that often you, you quote things from the past. You know, it'll be a situation that happens and, and just... You'll see a quote, and, and, and so everyone recognises, everyone's on the same page as you. Maybe something from a film, or something that somebody once said. I know that when my, uh, when my brothers and I are together, sometimes we can, uh, you know, there'll be a quote, and we'll all just know what that means, what that refers to. Well, there, uh, there is one of those that, uh, that sometimes comes up in, in our family, and, uh, and to the best of my knowledge, I only said this once. In fact, I'm almost sure I've only actually said it once, but it has been remembered. Heather and I had not been married too long. And to be honest, I don't remember the, uh, the specifics of just what led up to this. But I, I know it was our day off. And I, and I don't know why I did it. I really don't know why I did it. But strangely... I just ate a salad for lunch. <laughs> now I know that's a you know that's a strange move. Salads are good, but not on their own. And and I just had this salad for lunch. And the day went on, and and we kind of got later and later as we're getting towards having our tea. And uh, we're just sitting down to eat, and there's a knock at the door, and uh, there's something that, that you know needs situation that needs to be to be dealt with. And, uh, and so that's done. And, and then we come back, and now it's really late. And, uh, and, and, and one of my many faults is that I, I'm just very cranky when I haven't eaten. <laughs> I, I just I don't know what it is. I just I struggle in, in, in that sense. And Heather could sense this frustration and irritation and, and this change in character. And she said, what, what's wrong, Ian? And, and with a degree of, of frustration and weakness... And sadness and helplessness, I blurted out, I've only had a salad all day. <laughs> that, that, st- that comment comes up more frequently than you might imagine. <laughs> I've only had a salad all day. Now, well, that is a silly story, obviously, a very silly, silly story. But food is very important for us. There's something very insignificant about, about eating and about sh- particularly sharing meals together. Think about it. If you want, as you want to get to know someone, one of, the, one of the ways we do it is we invite them around for a meal. Because we, we fellowship as we eat together. We share, we connect as we eat. One of the most special times in the day is, is, is perhaps as, the, as a family meet together and they, they share that evening meal. They, they eat, they share, they talk, they laugh they cry. It's around meals that relationships are formed and grow and deepen. And one of the things that's really noticeable as we read through the Gospels is how often Jesus is found at the meal table. 
how, how much of his activity is, is around sharing a meal together. His first uh, miracle was at the wedding banquet as, uh, as, as the guests were sharing together and Jesus was, was a part of that feasting that was going on. As he met Zacchaeus up the tree and, uh, and he says, you know, Zacchaeus comes down and he goes, come into your house for a meal. We're going to come and engage. We're going to come and fellowship. We're going to connect. We're going to talk. He asks us to remember his life, death, and resurrection as we share a meal together, as we celebrate communion, uh, as, as we celebrate this meal. After his resurrection, he, he, he meets his disciples. They're out fishing. And as they're coming back, they see Jesus on the shore and he's cooking breakfast for them. It's remarkable, isn't it? This is Jesus. This is God the Son. This is the Saviour of the world. And he's on the beach cooking the, the, this meal for the disciples. Because it, it's, it's, it's going to be this time of connection and, and, and explaining and fellowship. One of the pictures that he uses to help us understand heaven is a great banquet. And, and so this, what we're looking at today, this miracle is Jesus feeds the 5,000 it is another uh, example where Jesus is, uh, is meeting people around, around the table, around food. And it's, uh, it's, one of the only, it's the only miracle that appears in all four Gospels other than the, the last week of Jesus' life. So it must be particularly significant. And, it, uh, and because it's in all four Gospels, we get lots of, of detail from the different Gospel writers and our hope uh, this afternoon, this morning, this morning, is to, uh, is to focus really on what Luke is saying, though we will borrow little bits from the other accounts. So let's read. I'll read it for us. Luke chapter 9, verse 10 to 17. We're, we're picking up where we left off last week. The, the disciples have been out in twos. They've been sharing the good news of Jesus. They have been uh, healing the sick. They've seen God at work. Verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them, then he took with them, sorry, then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we're in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, we, only, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go out and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. We're going to um, track through the, uh, the account here in Luke and see, see what we might learn. 
To begin with, I want us to notice what's happening in verse 10 as we think for a moment or two about rest. The disciples have come back from from going out in their twos and and seeing God at work. And and they come back to to Jesus and they want to share all that they have, have been doing. Verse 10, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. So Jesus is taking his disciples away with him. Now in the, in the verses before, what we've seen is as uh, the kind of reports get to Herod, that all of these amazing things are happening, he's interested, he's wondering what's going on. And, and Bethsaida is outside of Herod's jurisdiction. It's outside of his area. And, and Jesus is just taking his disciples out of the firing line. He's taking them off center stage. He's, he's, he's pulling them away so that they can be with him. And at this point, the disciples have got a lot going on. So, so they, they recognize, they're starting to recognize what it is to follow Jesus. They're starting to recognize the cost. John the Baptist has just been beheaded. The most public figure who, who's, who's supporting Jesus has just been arrested and murdered. So the disciples are getting that sense that there's, there's a cost to following Jesus. I mean, just imagine what that must do to them, knowing that, that probably they're the next high-profile figures. What's in store for us? So, so the, the, there's, there's that dynamic, and they've just seen God working in them and through them in lovely ways. So there's this mixture of excitement and and, an awareness of the cost as they're journeying with Jesus. And Jesus just calls them to himself. This is how Mark puts it in the same passage in Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them... Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Let me say that one more time. Jesus said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. It's really intriguing to me that it's obviously important to build into the rhythm of our lives. Rest. Jesus models it in the Gospels as he takes himself off from time to time to rest. And you see here inviting the disciples to come with him. If we just zoom out for a moment, we see that same importance throughout the pages of Scripture. As as God creates the world in, in Genesis, he creates it in six days. And on the seventh day he rested. Genesis chapter 2 verse 2. By the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from the work of creating that he had done. And that that theme travels throughout the whole of the Bible. The, the, The need and importance of rest. It's important for God's people. And it's something they wrestle with as they track through the Old Testament. But there's something significant about rest. I'm, a, I'm certainly no Hebrew scholar. I, I struggle with English, let, let, let alone learning another language. 
But there are two words in the Old Testament that are, are used for, for rest or for Sabbath. And, and one of them is to stop working. Literally, to, to, to stop activity. If you have a nine-to-five job and it's five past five, you down tools and you go that, to stop working. But the second is, 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 is different in nuance. And, and the word for rest means to dwell or to settle. Uh, and, and, it, and it has this, the, the idea of being fully where you are. To, to just to fully be where you're at. To, to, to engage with, with what's happening. And the two go together. So in the rhythm that God sets up for his people, there are times built in where you stop. You stop work. There's a stopping of activity. And, and, you, and you dwell you be, you engage with where you are, you, you, you be with the Lord, you reflect on who he is and what he's done. You're there with him, you're intentionally aware of his presence, reflecting on his character, you're, you're with him and, and, and with the people who you're there with to stop work and to dwell. Five weeks ago, um, we were praying as a church for, for my brother because he'd had his appendix had burst and had possibly, possibly been burst for up to a week. And the, hosp- the hospital acted quickly. And uh, uh, when he went into hospital, and they, they, they got him opened up and, and got the appendix and the inf- infection out. And, and one of the, the strange things for Michael now is as he's, as he's recovering is what people say to him is, Michael, make sure you get your rest. Because we instinctively know that when somebody has been poorly, that rest is a really important ingredient in recovery. Because there's been an infection in his body which has ravaged his body. It has, it has taken his strength. It has, it has it's pulled all of his resources and his body wants to heal, but part of that healing is, is about resting. And we, we, we know that instinctively, physically. And I suspect sometimes that we don't recognize just the effect that sin has on our person. How sin ravages us. It affects our thinking, our attitude, our behavior, our person, our personality. And remarkably, the Lord Jesus has, has come and has, and has removed that, removes that sin. But, it's a, but, but the scar remains. And there's a, there's a, though the miracle has happened, we sometimes think we've got to rush into activity. We've got to rush into doing everything. And we haven't understood just what an impact sin has on our lives. And part of healthy walking with him is, is times to rest. It's time to, to rest. The disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And the reality is for the disciples, they're going to have to really enjoy the journey to Bethsaida because when they get there, there's a crowd of 5,000 people waiting for them. The irony is you've got to work hard to rest. You've got to work hard for, to make it to make it happen. It's something that I've been uh, thinking about recently and, and trying to think, so what does that look like for, for me? How does this work? 
And, and, and one of the, the things that I am trying to put into practice is uh, when possible and where appropriate, you know, in, in that kind of lunch hour to, to go for a walk on the canal. And I've seen, met some of you as I've been walking on the canal, which I've enjoyed. But just to come, to pull away by myself for, a, for, for this walk, to, to be with the Lord, to, to reflect on him, to think on him, to praise him, to talk with him, to stop and to be. And you know what? It's hard. It's hard because there's work to do. <laughs> and what about if people see me? They'll think I'm lazy. It'll confirm what they already know. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Saviour, my saviour, the saviour of my soul says, come with me by yourself to a quiet place. Get some rest. Come to me. Come out and come to me. And that is what Jesus does here with his disciples. But they don't get a lot of time. Verse 11. But the crowds learned about, about it and followed him. He welcomed them and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed healing. We just get a lovely insight into the heart of the Lord Jesus here. Um, it, it must have been difficult, I would think, for the disciples not to be mildly irritated at the chance of some, some rest and quietness and, and, and a big, another big crowd. But Jesus welcomes them. That's a lovely phrase. Jesus welcomed them. And he speaks with them and he teaches them and he's meeting their needs. And I just want us to recognize the heart of the Lord Jesus here. He's drawn towards those who are seeking him. Those, that crowd, they come, they don't have all the answers. They don't even bring food for themselves. There's almost a, almost a foolishness to them, almost a rudeness, almost. But Jesus' heart is warm to them. Because they're taking those steps towards him. And interestingly, Luke doesn't give us any reaction of the crowd. He doesn't tell us what the crowd think or say. But he does tell us a little bit about what the disciples do. Verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging. Because we're in a remote place. The disciples, just like the crowd, come to Jesus. They come, they come and they, they, they want something done. Now, it would be easy for us here, I think, to say, well, Jesus had compassion on the, on the crowds and the disciples were irritated by them. But maybe we can give the disciples a break. They know that the crowds are not going to go anywhere until Jesus says. And they know there's no food, and we know that there needs that rest, there needs that. It's just a very practical question to bring to Jesus. Maybe that is them looking out for them. Send them away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside to find food. And Jesus' reply is staggering. Verse 13, he replied, you give them something to eat. <laughs> Pardon? 5,000 people. If the conversation stopped there, that would be a desperate situation. You do it. You see if you can sort it out. But the conversation doesn't stop there, of course. 
Just before we move past, I just want us to notice that the importance of seeking after Jesus, of, of, of seeking after him. The crowd do it, the disciples do it. And I just uh, admire that seeking heart. You know, often we, we, can be, we can perhaps be slow to come to Jesus. We're too proud. We, we try and find the answers ourselves. Or perhaps we're too ashamed at our lack of answers. Life is too complex, too full, and too tired, and too puzzled about what's going on. We're too quick to walk away. Too quick to walk away. But the people here, the people come to Jesus and they stay with him. In the Berlin Art Gallery, there is a painting by, uh, by a German painter called Adolf Menzel, who's around in the 1800s. And uh, the painting is of, uh, it's of the king, so King Frederick and his generals. And it's a fascinating painting because it's not finished. So the background is all filled in and all the generals are all filled in. And it's, it's, it's really incredible that just the facial expressions, the, just how, how the, the atmosphere of the scene but then the central figure, the figure of the king, is, is empty. There's just the outline. So the, the painting is, has got all the background, all the generals, but misses the king in the middle. And, and he never finished it. And I wonder sometimes if that can be a bit of a picture of what, what our lives can be like. In that we, we kind of focus on getting everything neat and tidy, filling in the background Uh, Getting the generals right, the significant people in our lives, and we miss the king in the middle. We we, we don't come to the king in the middle. And what the people do here wonderfully is they forget the details and they come towards the king. They, They come to Jesus. They know that only he has the answer. Verse 14. We said the conversation needed to continue, and here's how it finishes. But he, that's Jesus, said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Truly remarkable miracle. And it begins as Jesus asks his disciples to get the, to, to get the crowd to sit down and to sit in some sort of order. And I love this detail. I, I really love it. The, the, the crowds, this big crowd... They need to sit down in smaller groups. That's not going to be an easy task, I don't think, for the disciples. <laughs> Getting a crowd to do anything isn't easy. Breaking up a hungry crowd, I would imagine, quite difficult. But they sit down in uh, small groups. You see, this isn't a stunt or a trick. This isn't Jesus, you know, standing on the stage and the crowds gather around as he tosses pieces of, of food into the air. The people sit down in small groups. They're going to eat and they're going to eat well and they're going to eat comfortably. They're going to eat, they're going to share, they're going to fellowship. They're going to be satisfied. 
It's about the people sitting in and sharing in God's provision together. It's about the people enjoying something that they didn't earn and they didn't deserve. Nor did they pay for it. The crowd received this incredible grace, a practice for a greater miracle that was to come. A foreshadowing of the greatest provision that Jesus will demonstrate through the cross. This time it's bread. Soon it will be his body given for them. The disciples who'd been instructed to feed the crowd, that jaw-dropping question that Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And they will. But it won't be out of their own resources. It'll be all out of the hand of Jesus. They will give them something to eat. But it will be out of the hand of Jesus. As we close, let's notice who this account all centers around. It's all about Jesus. It's a, it's, it's a saviour who makes time for his disciples. He wants to spend time with them. The king of the world, saviour, God the son, wants to spend time with us. Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. He makes time to be with the crowds. He welcomes them. He heals them. He teaches. He makes time to talk with the twelve and stretch and grow and challenge and equip them. He makes provision for all the people and he involves his followers in his work. What a remarkable saviour we have. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, Father, if there's been anything this morning that you have been speaking to us about, Father, I ask that you would continue to, to stir our hearts, to draw us towards you. Father, I pray, Lord, that this week we'll have some time, some opportunity where we can sit in your presence. Father, where we can recognize your provision and care. Father, we thank you that, that you provide what we need. And we thank you for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name. Amen.